Hello, we're the Sticky Bun Boys. I'm Michael. And I am not. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, it's Halloween week in the tent, and I just knew it was going to be a good one. I could feel it in my bones. Oh, Michael, I was Googling Halloween puns all week to try and top you. Not like that. Uh, And there was a huge list of vampire ones, but they all sucked. (laughs) Not the only suckers here, David. Anyway, let's play some ads and then get down to it. Halloween week. We have been waiting for this for a long time. Like, Bake Off has done lots of different weeks over the years. Halloween has been missing, and it was here. What do you think? I think they did one on the French Bake Off that did a Halloween week years and years and years ago. And I feel like every week was Halloween week when it came to Helena in our year. Did you notice in the in the bit before the credits when Janusz said Happy Halloween, it sounded like Herpy Halloween? Which it certainly <laughs> is for students at this time of year, isn't it, really? <laughs> Herpy Halloween, everyone. Herpy Halloween. One thing I was disappointed, Michael, where were the decorations? Like normally when they have a themed week, they don't necessarily theme the whole tent. This looked like a really badly decorated petrol station or supermarket. Like they have got budget. That is, I mean, some of them by day two, the balloons were all shriveled. Like, and where was Paul and Prue's costumes? I just think they didn't. If they're going to go for it, go all out. I would have loved Paul and Prue to kind of swap outfits for the week or just do something. But also with the contestants dressing up, why weren't any of them dressed up as Paul or Prue? That was ideal territory. I would come dressed as like Elmer the Elephant stroke Prue. Do you know what I mean? Like I would be giving like Elmer realness for the full week. I mean, 
some of them did go slightly rogue because Abdul came as a rogue astronaut. What was that? He looked adorable. and I'll have none of that. You can't slag off his astronaut when we all know that Kevin dresses a clock for many years of his childhood. Okay, back off. <laughs> this is true. Actually, and also our last year, Elena had a, was it last year? Elena had a Halloween party that we went to. Yeah. In her big spooky mansion. And you went as a Mime Artist and I went as a Fox. So yeah. pot calling kettle black. <laughs> we have no ground to stand on. I did love it though. I like them all dressing up. And like what people might not know is actually during our season, all of the producers and home economists and, and cameramen all dressed up each week in different themes. There was like Animal Week or Stripes Week. So I, in my mind, all the camera people were also dressed up as like werewolves and zombies and things. And that was fun for me to imagine because otherwise it was quite a flat episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, I remember there was also one runner who was very attractive and he yes. embroidered something onto his shirt every single week as a theme from the week before or something. Which is cute. That's lovely. Yeah, he was cute. Maybe we should actually talk about the episode, perhaps. Yeah, so Signature was exquisitely decorated. <laughs> Don't sound so reluctant there. <laughs> yeah, so it's literally what we're here for, David. Yes, come on, on to the bake. Yeah, exquisitely decorated apple cake. I actually personally love apple cakes. Ottolenghi has this incredible one, which I think was basically Abdul's. I think he just stole it from Ottolenghi's book. He will have made three changes. He will have made three changes to make it his own. The required three changes. <laughs> okay, so I did think, like you say, it was a little bit of a flat challenge. Give me the high points, Michael. Well, it, it took two hours. Because I imagine you haven't written that down. No. But uh, apple cakes, I mean, it's a good challenge because apples are difficult to put in bakes without the bake going soggy. I felt like it was a bit, it was good, a good challenge. But then the problem is all of the cakes are the same because they're all just apple cakes. Like there's not much room for diversity. And when they get diversity, that's a problem because it doesn't taste like apples. So it just felt like it just went round in a bit of a circle, if you know what I mean. Yes. I mean, they mentioned a lot about getting the flavour of apple into a cake. Apple is kind of, I think of it as a wet flavour. I don't know why I think that in my head. But it's a wet flavour. It's not very strong. It's not very punchy. And so it's quite difficult to make apple sing, especially, like you say, you're being pushed with the briefs to do other things, to add other things. Mm. Spices are always going to dominate slightly. Yeah, I felt like, I think what I would have done would have been to kind of go down the carrot cake-ish route. I think a couple of them did this, where I would have grated the apple into the sponge, put some flecks of apple, but I would have tried to make like a stewed apple or like a, a kind of an apple butter to put between the layers. So the kind of the between the layers is how to kind of really make it kind of sharp. I loved however they talked about it must taste like apple. The spices and other flavours can't overpower it. And they would cut straight to Shabira who's like, I'm going to put sour plum and chilies in mine. And you were like, oh, that's not cool. Okay, sure. I mean, it worked out. I was actually fearful for hers because it sounded mm. like it was too much to do in the time as well. Because the other thing is, they asked it for it to be exquisitely baked. Yanush was basically a naked cake with some drips again, always the drips. Maxi's was boring, looked like it was from a supermarket. Like, they didn't manage to do a lot. And then Shabira did everything. Yeah, Shabira went all out. And Sandro, I think, forewent class for this week. Well, not for this challenge, and just went kitchen sink. I'll throw that on top. I mean, Abdul's for me, was the one that looked the most impressive. Obviously, I liked Abdul's, but I liked his flavours. I thought the bonfire cake was a great idea. The cake actually worked out very well for him, but the design was lovely as well. And there was an element of the homemade about it, but that's what I love about Bake Off. I love things looking like people have made them and could make them in their normal kitchens, you know? I also liked Abdul's the best. I actually liked the way he did the chunks of apple. Uh, and uh, with the decoration, it was, it just seemed like he had some clever ideas rather than just being the same old things like drips or whatever. I really liked his chocolate logs. It was giving Henry cake for me. Like it was giving Henry's kind of the way his mind thinks. Um, I thought it was stunning. And I actually think if Kevin's cake hadn't, well, Kevin's cake hadn't been 
made by Kevin in that instance. <laughs> I think it would have been delicious. It looked really good. I really liked Yanusha's eye makeup, I have to say, and his whole outfit. And I do like the fact that he referenced the fact that Shabira did it because to everyone out there, bakers get no makeup or wardrobe. The talent do, but we don't. So yeah, that was Shabira doing it for him and that looked great. Yanush is a drippy girl, isn't she? Just constantly, every single week, drip, drip, drip. Dripping everywhere. Like she's giving monsoon season, just constant drips every single day. Um, what do we think about Kevin's disaster? I mean, we've all been torn in half with Queen losing out of our middles before, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, always with the hot take. <laughs> Very hot take for Kevin. Far too hot for a cream cheese frosting. (laughs) Yeah, with Kevin's, you know, like you looked at it, it looked so damn tasty. You knew it was well baked. um, So it wasn't like the cake wasn't baked. So I actually, out of all of the cakes, I think his was the one I'd want to eat the most. And I would rather have it go that way than if he'd taken it out too early and it'd been like a soggy, sloppy cake, but it'd look like good decorations. So I still think, although it looked a bit of a mess, I think he was probably higher up the pecking order than it seemed. I completely agree. I completely agree. I thought it was weird that during a Halloween week, they got crossed with Sandro for having Halloween decorations, but I did think it looked a bit like overkill. And actually that bunt tin that he was using, I've got it, it was stunning and it looked gorgeous. I would have just left it with the bunt tin kind of doing its thing with a couple of kind of candied stuff. Yeah, because it came out so cleanly. It's always important to have things coming out cleanly where possible. Where possible. We shouldn't shame it when it doesn't come out cleanly, but where you can, I think it's That's great. That's why we douche. Uh, handshakes, <laughs> Michael. There were two handshakes. Mm. Well, tell me about, what do you think about that, David? I, well... I didn't really agree with Maxi's because a handshake to me is the pinnacle. And Maxi, it obviously tasted amazing. Like you look, the textures looked great, but she didn't smash the challenge. Like it didn't look that great. There was nothing new or different about it. Okay, quick pause. Let's roll back to 2019 when you received one for a bog standard vanilla custard tart. Absolutely, exquisitely. They were perfection, (laughs) Yes, but they were basic. They were perfection, but perfectly basic. And I would say that Maxi's was perfectly basic. No, mine were not perfectly basic. Mine had very nice decorations. You cut up some fruit. No, I made biscuits and decorated the biscuits as little flapper girls. No. I'm not having this, Michael. I'm not having this. <laughs> no. Maxi's was good, but plain. It was not handshake worthy. Mine was no. one of the most handshake worthy bakes ever on Bake Off. Pot meat kettle. Shabira's on the other hand, actually, again, I do think it like Shabira's obviously was a lot more complex than everyone else is really really good i'm just not sure like handshakes have to be the pinnacle and so i do like i liked her decoration but it wasn't on point nick got very excited he actually screamed and made our animals jump when shabira got a handshake why just because he was so excited because he loves shabira um and i did like that side of it but i kind of thought with that whole challenge i didn't think there was going to be any handshakes basically i feel like maxi i i think she did very well i think i agreed with that handshake i was a bit confused by shabira's because her cake was obviously delicious and that's great and that's stunning but the cake itself wasn't stunning like as in visually and i think in my view i thought handshakes were for when every single element of the bake has succeeded and in this instance i'm not certain that the eyes were doing what they wanted to be doing and i think actually She'd have done maybe a lot better if she just let it look like a pumpkin. Yeah, true. I, but I don't think Maxie's looked particularly good for that. I know you're saying it's like for that kind of standard cake, her piping wasn't perfect. We get it. You hate Maxie. The caramel was beige. The caramel wasn't even a nice colour. Okay, if we're going here, that Shabira's judging didn't mention the word apple once. I watched it twice. They didn't say the word apple. Not even once. 
Yeah, but Michael, I don't want Ethan to get a handshake. I mean, I want them to, but I don't think either deserved a handshake. So it turns out David hates the bakers and I really like them all. Who would be top and bottom then? So Shabir and Maxi obviously at the top. For me, the cakes I would have liked to have eaten the most, I would say Kevin's and then Abdul's. I think probably Kevin was also at the bottom though. It was quite safe from Janusz this week, actually. Dawn's probably right at the bottom with her sinking apples, really. Yeah, so it probably was Dawn at the bottom. But it was a tough... It wasn't... There was not a lot of difference in them. It wasn't like one of those peaky ones. No. Okay, technical. Again, I've not put the time down. Sorry, Michael. But they had to make schmores. Do you say schmores or s'mores? I don't tend to say either in my day-to-day life. Let's not say it again. (laughs) What will we call them instead? Uh, Let's just call them campfire sandwiches. What did you think of this challenge, Michael? Uh, we love a camp fire sandwich. Uh, they had two hours. Again, you never write down the time. When I first saw it, I thought, oh God, what is this? Like, this isn't baking. But actually, and I, I was wrong, which doesn't happen often, I must say. <laughs> but I think it was actually quite good. That if you break it down into components, like with the lemon meringue pie last week, having to make a biscuit, having to make a ganache, and having to make a marshmallow in two hours is a good challenge, I think, when you break it down. What do you think? I'm exactly on the same page. One thing I didn't get is why they decided to anglicise, like, it's not digestive cricket. Digestive crickets. <laughs> it's not digestive crickets. It's dige- It's not digestive biscuits. It's graham crackers. Right. Like in America. And what they made looked exactly like graham crackers. So why did they say they had to be digestives? What was the point in anglicising? Well, maybe because people like me don't know what a graham cracker is. But then that's about, like, educating people. I don't think you can just change the name of something just because... It's yeah, to me, it's like it's a very American thing. And I just think we have a lot of American listeners. Bake Off has a lot of American watchers. Then it's probably best to stick with what it actually is. But I did think it was a good challenge. Like marshmallow is tricky to make. And in the time to make three things and to be able to hit all three things well, this was a good technique. I mean, to be able to hit two of the three, a ganache is just stir and put it into the fridge. That's kind of... Well, Sandra didn't make that, did he? Yeah, the large Sandron Collider did not succeed at that. Um, thinking of s'mores, though, or whatever we call them, campfire sandwiches, there was a, we got an email in this week, which I kind of agree with in a certain sense, in that people are chain... The, the, the show is moving away from kind of classic British bakes to start kind of incorporating much more American elements. Do you think that's because it's watched in America a lot more? Because s'mores isn't really a thing here, really. On a campfire, you'll have a marshmallow, yeah. but you won't push it between... You won't, you won't make it... Uh, a campfire sandwich. I've never had a s'more. S'more, whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think that's right. I think that because the Americans who are probably the most, like the biggest population of watchers now, they um, might not know what a lot of the British things are. So maybe they're bringing in a few, like sprinkling some more Americanized bakes in just so they've got something familiar. I thought they all did pretty well with this, considering the marshmallow. Some people like Abdul obviously made an error more at the end by torching yeah, a bit too much. His inside was very wet and sticky, apparently. It was. But I also agreed with him that it's best to get a bit more of a char. <laughs> I've, written, <laughs> I've written down one can only ho, but I meant to say hope, but I suppose both meanings work. <laughs> <laughs> For you, yeah, definitely. But I like it when marshmallows are more charred. I don't like it when people just like touch it with the flame. It's like, you want those black bits. When I get my marshmallows, I like the full thing to catch fire. And then I blow it out and then I kind of suck off the hard crust so it's all gooey. And then I burn the gooey bit and then suck off that hard crust. That is like, it's a constant suck, burn, Michael, suck, burn. this is not a porn podcast. <laughs> suck, burn, suck, burn. That sounds <laughs> a bit more like an STI clinic more than anything else. <laughs> suck them and burn them, boys. <laughs> Who would have thought we would get onto this from a technical challenge on Bake Off? <laughs> <laughs> right, so there was lots of sloughing, which I thought you might be pleased about. Lots of sloughing around. Yes, love sloughing. Lots of sloughing white substances. I thoroughly enjoyed Dawn doing very good grand talking. 
So like Noel turned up and was like, I've got a feeling that goes down my leg. And she was like, okay, love, lovely. And he was like, I'm an amphibian. And she was like, aha. <laughs> like she was completely yeah. not listening in the slightest. Yeah, just saying really every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. And we did have Mason's school of wrong implements uh, returning again this week. Oh, where was it? Where was it? Kevin was using a fish slice to kind of scrape together some biscuit dough when he had hands, a dough scraper, he had palette knives, he could do anything else, but he was like, I'm going to use this thing, which is used for flipping burgers. And I'm going to use this to put together some dough. So um, shout out to Kevin and to Mason, always with us. Maxie, I'm a bit confused with Maxie because Maxie especially in this challenge, I noticed she kind of floats or ambles kind of round the tent very slowly, seemingly, but then she absolutely smashes it. So yeah. she obviously gets things done. I don't know if she kind of goes slowly when the cameras are on and as soon as they leave, she goes into fast motion or whether she's just, I don't know where she's like an elf or something. Well, as we know, whenever the judges come to her table, she stops what she's doing and stands with her hand behind her back like a naughty schoolgirl. Yeah, so how does she even complete these bakes? But she did very well. I mean, they all did very well, apart from Sandro, who was struggling with a bit of a soft one. Everyone else's was quite firm. Well, I mean, it happens to everyone. Do you know what I mean? Performance anxiety. Well, in terms of doing badly, actually, at the bottom, when it came to the judging, it was Abdul. So he went from an intricate top to a soggy bottom. He's versatile, Michael. Oh, he did indeed. It was the, the most soggy bottom I think we've seen all season. It, was, it wasn't it was soggy. It was like, it was wet. Sloppy. It was a sloppy yeah. bottom. <laughs> Abdul was sloppy bottom of the week. The sloppy bottom is. And then we had top three was Kevin... Yanush, and then Shabira Shabira, 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 Shabira. She's doing well this week. I mean, it was pretty clear, wasn't it, going into the showstopper that she'd have to really do something awful to not make it to the top, right? Yeah, and yet her hands were still shaking. She was still really, really nervous. Can relate. I can relate. She's so lush. I really love her. So onto the showstopper the next day, they had to do a hanging lantern. And it had to be a bit piñata-esque because you had to be able to smash it with a rolling pin, which really Prue did smash it. And sweet treats had to fall out. And they only had to do two. But for some reason, some of them did a lot more. And how many hours do you reckon they had? I know you haven't written it down, but how long? Oh, probably one, knowing Paul. <laughs> was it five? 45 minutes. No, it was four hours. It was four hours. I mean, I dreaded. The biggest fear I had going into the tent was that we were going to have to do a hanging challenge. That you had to hang something because it's just, it's counterintuitive for all baked goods, really. They all want to be on a stable service. So that's pretty hard. Yeah, and it does sometimes favour people who have a background in engineering, for example, or just have loads of kit. It had to crack with one bang, said Prue. And then Paul says, not difficult, surely. I'd love to see him do one. Wouldn't you? (laughs) Wouldn't you? (laughs) I would definitely like to. But they did make it quite easy because Maxie's and also Dawn's had like a very thick wooden base. So it wasn't really, they weren't like holding themselves up. So I think Uh, it wasn't as difficult as it seemed. I don't agree agree with that i still think yes it's they've basically built it around a wooden rod which is attached to the string but it still has to hold itself up in the air with no support from below no no maxis had a full wooden base oh then she cheated the end (laughs) (laughs) it was still challenging though i think i oh i definitely especially with the time having to do the the central bits i think i would have gone simpler with the sweet treats and really made sure I got the hanging bit. I think to be honest, I would have done what Sandro did and used a chocolate base because actually the chocolate base, as long as you tempered it right, that's a lot simpler and a lot more sturdy than biscuits realistically. And as you can see, it was sturdy. He had to drill into it later. But I think that was much better in terms of a base than biscuits or I don't think anyone, did anyone do cake? I don't think anyone did cake. No, and it was interesting that they all went for biscuits and Sandra did chocolate. I mean, partly even because when they're judging, they're judging the biscuits. They didn't try 
chomping down on Sandro's thick chocolate. Um, whereas the ju- the biscuits became part of the judging. So actually, yeah, doing chocolate was a good idea, especially because Sandro did just use the same mold he had the week before. And if you've got a good mold, that looks like a good one then, yeah, do all your bakes with it. I mean, is him using a drill on the chocolate ball a second contender for the Mason School of Wrong Implements? Because I would have just, like, heated yes. up a like a metal biscuit cutter and used that to push through. That's what I thought he was doing. And then when he brought the drill out, you realised he was just trying to ram a biscuit cutter through thick chocolate. Yeah, not quite there, I suppose. And I think, actually, the reason he had more time to do all the things that he was trying out was because once you tempered the chocolate, and it was tempered chocolate decorations for the skulls, actually... That takes maybe an hour tops. He had three hours on his hands to be able to do whatever he wanted, whereas the other ones were having to rest and cool and shape and all that kind of stuff. So I think actually Sandro planned quite carefully and it looked it looked really professional again, I think. It did. The actual hanging bit looked very professional. I love the way that Paul said it looks like you can get this in a supermarket, which I don't think is a massive compliment <laughs> considering he just said it looked really good. Um, but then Sandro did, I think they probably judged him a little bit harsher, therefore, quite rightly, on his sweet treats that did kind of miss the mark. Like he, everything was very big as well. They didn't really look like the kind of things you'd throw into a trick-or-treat tub. Yeah, let's go to Janusz then. Um, his truffles with crickets. Isn't it interesting, right? The the judges hate things like tofu or matcha, but as soon as you like crickets, they're like, sure. And it's like, what's happening? What's happening here? Yeah, you can kind of see Janusz being a little bit crestfallen when it's like, I'm going to give you the weirdest thing ever. And they're both like, oh yeah, we quite like that. <laughs> yeah, but again, he had a bit of a drip on his. She's giving drip. It was lovely. It looked very stunning. It looked the most... Again, I think Janusz's presentation is always on point. I think that was my favourite one of this week, I think. Yeah, Janusz's looked brilliant. And if we're talking about strange flavours, the crickets were nothing compared to truffle and orange, Shibira. <laughs> like, truffle might work with something quite earthy like chocolate, but even then it would be weird. But truffle and orange. Yeah, and also Shibira's um, spider, uh, compared to Kevin's, was like what you ordered and what you received. Wasn't it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's also for a deep cut reference. Looked very like the disco skull from the Scooby Doo movie. Have you seen that? No. So here, I've got it on Google. Have you seen that? It looks exactly like the one from Scooby Doo. Yes, it does. Bang on! Look at my cultural references. <laughs> and Shabiras as well, obviously. Uh, what do you think about Kevin? I saw this on Twitter afterwards. Kevin, I mean, his was quite hilarious, but his. Um, title was called Duking for Apples. Duking. Which you'd say in Scottish. But then Bake Off just put it into apple bobbing. For our American listeners, Duking for Apples is when you have your hands behind your back and then you have to like kneel down <laughs> in front. It sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? You have to basically hands behind your back, kneel down, bend over and put your head into uh, like a, 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 a bucket of water to try and grab some apples. I'm, I don't know why I'm kind of miming doing that when this is an audio medium. <laughs> um, but um, every single week he says something in Scots and they anglicise it. So like yeah, why do they do that? There was like the bone that was in his moose cake. It was about his, his dog, and they were like, "It's his dog. It's not. It's his dog." And like yeah, but duking for apples. I mean, his toffee apple macarons sounded absolutely delicious. That is right up my street. I'm thinking like an apple macaron with a toffee topping. Like I need the recipe for that immediately. That makes my mouth just water. I also like the idea of the textures because sometimes it's always just these like buttercreams, whereas a caramel with a macaron sounds mm. quite good. Uh, his final thing looked so bad that it kind of looked good. <laughs> it looked a bit like an, a bald man, like a bald man with like <laughs> hair down the sides, with lots of eyes. With his nuts hanging out. <laughs> with his, A bald man with his nuts hanging out. <laughs> Congratulations, Kevin, on your achievements. I written, I've written down as well, when he was talking during the make, he said, there are some gaps, but what can you do? And the camera jump cut straight to Abdul, <laughs> showing exactly what you can do, which is use a grater to kind of shave off the sides. 
because uh, yeah. Abdul's was very was very neat, very precise. I thought Abdul's was again. I know not for you, but rose and matcha, that's my kind of flavours. But when they picked the biscuit, it did look very soft. It looked like he'd barely baked that biscuit. I've written down as well that he was flattening the tops, which makes him a true ally um, to us all. Let's talk about our queen, our queen Dawn. Well, first of all, before we move on from Abdul too quickly, just one comment and just see if you think the same as me. I don't think Abdul gets a lot of airtime in these episodes. No. Basically from episode one, I think he's, I know we enjoy seeing him, but I think he's been getting very, very little airtime in general. Yeah, I thought that recently. Well, not recently, since the very beginning, actually. He missed that one week, didn't he? But I wonder whether he's a dark horse because you don't really see the finalists or the winners till kind of quite far in, don't we, really? So I wonder whether now is the time. He's starting to rise. His bakes are getting better and better. I think we could have a finalist on our hands here. Okay, starting to rise for Michael. Okay, so Dawn, our queen. What was her thing? Like biscuits. When you take a biscuit out of the oven, it's baked. One of the things that's stressful is it's very, very soft. That's the time that you can trim it and make sure she could see when she took out the oven that it was all wobbly and she le- left it to cool before trying to tackle that issue. Yeah, it was a bit strange. I mean, the, the flavour of her gingerbread uh, must be mentioned because it was black cocoa and cardamom, which sounds delicious. Although she did say when she was giving it to the, to the judges that she'd barely put any cardamom in. And I was like, then don't tell them you put it in at all. Because as soon as you say that you've got a flavour, they're going to expect to taste it. Paul said about her biscuit that it was nice and thin, which is just as well because it's rock hard. I think that's a problem. I don't think that's a real particular problem. Then he also called it basic. And I was like, sure, it's not quite on the level of some of the other ones. But could you do one, Paul, (laughs) in four hours? No, the answer is no. Uh, hers, it looked like chaos while she was doing it, but actually the final thing didn't look that bad. I did think she was struggling when she was saying she was trying to stick it together with buttercream. Buttercream is not very sticky. It's not, no. not of a good bonding agent. Um, but it, it did actually look quite good at the end. Anyway, judging wise, the judges seemed like they were having a lot of fun with the smashing and things. But it came down to it. We kind of knew exactly what was happening. We knew that Shabir had won. Shabir did very well. And um, Prue bashed hers in from behind and it stayed whole. So I think there's no problems there. She was doing smash and she was always going to rise to the top, wasn't she? Congratulations, Shabira, Shabira. Yeah, we love Shabira winning on this one. Uh, and we've already lost one queen this year, but another one had to go. And Dawn. I'm not ashamed to say I did do a cry when Dawn left. It was one of those like really like when the sad music kicks in, like you just properly felt it. Do you know what I mean? I, I felt like a real like, oh God, like gutted. See, I wanted to cry. As Michael knows, I don't really cry very much, but I wanted to cry when Kevin was crying. Yeah. Because Kevin was upset afterwards. Because sometimes when you're in the bottom together, I don't know if he was crying for this reason, but sometimes it is really sad when you kind of think, oh, I feel bad that someone else has gone, mm. even though, yeah, they were both on the chopping block. I mean, in week five, I remember when Michelle and Elena got eliminated our year. I did an entire... We were all cheering. My entire Vox Pop. <laughs> no, it wasn't, because I was so gutted that they were going. My entire Vox Pop was me just in floods of tears, unable to articulate myself. And obviously none of that made the edit, because all of they were getting was like sobbing as it rained um i also really enjoyed shabira's uh, trademark optimism which she closed the episode with the only way is down <laughs> now i don't know about you guys but i am gutted a tent without dawn is not a tent i want to watch no i'm gutted too but i do have something that might cheer you up actually Ooh, what's that bless you for pretending you don't already know <laughs> for our weekly inbox dive we're going to be joined by joe black who is a brilliant drag artist and an excellent spooky human that you might recognize from rupaul's drag race uk series two very nice segue there thank you and thank you for reading your scripts incorrectly that word is segue <laughs> Before we start, shall we do an ad break so you can recover yourself? Go on then. Okay, five. No. Four. No, we're not going to do a countdown. (laughs) Producer Alex, cut him off. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So this week for the uh, spooky bun boys section, we have a special guest who is the, well, we were just talking about how to describe them just a minute ago. And I think we were going for spooky deity. Was that the one, Joe? Was that what you wanted, Joe? No, I like a cult leader. (laughs) Halloween cult leader, Joe Black, who's a drag artist that many of you might know. (laughs) Cult leader, unhealthy and full of shit. (laughs) And David's here too, talking full of shit. Hi, David. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so we've had some brilliant uh, messages through in the inbox, as ever. We've had some quite good stories. I thought we'd start off with a little Halloween story, if you like. They're called Alex, and their story is thus. One year, I went out dressed as Britney Spears from the Oops video for Halloween, as slutty as I could make it, and I pulled, obviously. I managed to persuade him to leave his flatmates at the club and headed back to his. We had a wild night, and I woke up with my pigtails half pulled out, (laughs) mascara and lipstick smeared all over my face, and my skirt torn down the side. In our drunken state, we'd also not realised how loud we were being, and found loads of messages on his phone in the morning asking us to keep it down. I was mortified and decided to call an Uber to avoid seeing the flatmates in my tragic hungover state. Luckily, there was one available nearby, so I stuck out as quickly as I could and sat on a bench outside to wait. Then, I watched as one of so-called flatmates walked out of the building and into a car, which just so happened to be my Uber. Yes, the flatmate was my Uber driver, and I had to endure a 27-minute journey home with silence, and my Uber rating never recovered. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine anything worse? I did not know where that was going. I thought it started off like it was going to be a Jeffrey Dahmer type story, but 
Yeah, that is brilliant. Oh, hell. Can you imagine me sat there completely torn apart, <laughs> having been torn apart all night in front of someone who heard it the entire time? <laughs> good on Alex. <laughs> That's true. I mean, good on them. Do you know what I mean? They had a great time. I wouldn't have thought that the Britney Spears outfit was very sex. I'd actually know their gender. But either way, it's not very sexy, is it? It's a bit weird. It's just, it's a red cat suit, isn't it? I mean, I'm not the, the one to sort no, of No, that's the toxic to... video. <laughs> See, that, that's what I was about to explain. Isn't it just sexy schoolgirl? It's very schoolgirl. Um, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever done a sexy Halloween costume, Joe? Like a, like a, like a sexy slutty one? No, no. The, I remember going to a Halloween party and I went as Colonel Sanders, the KFC logo. Um... <laughs> And there will be pictures somewhere. I mean, I don't know where I'd find them, but that was good. I went as the, the colonel and I went into a KFC before going to the party to get buckets. Right, sure, um, for sure. For props. And then I went in there and like fully in character was like asking for buckets. Is that the pinnacle of unsexy? I can't think of anything that couldn't be made sexy at this point in terms of Halloween costumes. Could you actually make Prue sexy? I'm not saying she's not sexy, but could she be slutty? Oh, I reckon so. You just wear like a big chunky necklace and nothing else, wouldn't you? Ah, oh, true. And that'd be that. <laughs> what about Paul? Can you make Paul Hollywood sexy? No. <laughs> you found it. I, I, I just want to say something here in regards to Paul Hollywood. I didn't know how to say this online, but I've been thinking about it ever since. Someone put an aging filter on a Chucky doll um, <laughs> and, and gave it grey hair. And every time I saw it come out, I was like, that's Paul Hollywood. <laughs> that is my Halloween complete. <laughs> Paul Hollywood Chucky doll. No, honestly, I saw it and I was like, there's no nice way of saying this online. At least if I say it with my voice, I could say it with like a laugh. But if I put it on Twitter, people are going to be like, you horrible, horrible man. Uh, and we're going to move swiftly on from that one, Joe. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the next person is P. They've just called themselves P. So first off, I have to say I'm 100% on Team Michael when it comes to croissants, savoury all the way, unless something is added to make them sweet, such as chocolate. So, Joe, this was a thing, actually. What do you, where do you sit on this? Is a croissant savoury or sweet? Um, I think it is savoury. Correct. And then it is sweet if you add things like chocolate into the very being of the thing. Sure. I mean, I have, you know, put some, you know, chocolate spread inside a croissant, but it's just not, doesn't hit the same as putting some, like, savoury stuff in there. David, what say you? Well, do you know what? After all this debate, I have realised that, especially with Halloween trick and treat, I just think it's a treat. I've realised I don't think it's sweet. I just think it's a treat. Right. It can be a savoury treat. So what you're saying is you were wrong? Well, the public still said that I was right. Yeah, but you could change your mind. But I don't think it's savoury or sweet. I think it's just nothing. And was that a sorry, Michael, I heard? Depends if you use salted butter when you're making it. Was that a sorry, Michael, I heard? Love you, Michael. No, it wasn't. Sorry, Joe. May I add what I think a croissant is in general? Yes, you may. <laughs> a fucking nuisance. <laughs> Goes everywhere. It's all down you, all over the... It's why you have fucking plates and... All that. Yeah, you've, you've just got to be a bit more careful with your mouth, Joe. Oh, fuck off, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually so polite on these things, but you were like, oh, it could be really filthy and whatever. So I'm just like, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> right, back to P. I'm just going to pretend I'm P for the moment. I have a bit of a problem, and that is that I happen to be in love with one of my best friends. 
I'm a 30-something gay male, that means 39, and he is too. We've been good friends for some time, and through the last few years, we've become part of a very tight friend group. Particularly through the pandemic, our group was one that we could rely on for all sorts of things. We are the only two males in this group, and I have realised that what I once thought was an innocent crush on him is something far deeper, to the point that I know that I would feel utterly lost without him. I've tried telling him my feelings once before, but quickly changed the subject when I felt it was getting too on the nose. The other problem is while I think he's right for me, I know that I am not right for him. And I know that were we to attempt dating or anything like that, it would shift the dynamic of the inner circle to the point that it might be irreparable. Irreparable? Ir- couldn't be repaired. Is there any way to move forward or do I swallow my feelings and hope that it never comes to light for the sake of our friendship and for the group that we literally do everything with? A little advice, please. P. What do we think? How are we going to help P? So what, what should P do? Uh, I think that is in a bit of a tricky situation but if they're not going to be able to get past this and have any other romanticness then they should just deal with it and tell them because they're 39 already as michael's pointed out <laughs> they say 30 something but i feel like if you're under 38 39 you just say your your actual age no yeah true so i think <laughs> that they should just tell them joe do you agree yes i think that would be the sincere answer but what i was actually thinking was <laughs> Um, that they should bottle up all their feelings and just wait to see, like, how bad it gets. Just because <laughs> I think every every group of friends needs some sort of drama and you need to be having, like, a perfectly nice night out for someone's, like, occasion. And then that is the perfect time to, like, have a few too many sherries and absolutely ruin that person's night. So you're talking Real Housewives explosions. Yeah, I mean, I've never <laughs> I've never seen the Real Housewives. I'm, I'm talking from personal experience here. Oh, okay. We've all had that one friend that it doesn't matter whose occasion it is. Somehow it always ends up about them. And I think for P, it's time to make it about them. You bottle up <laughs> those feelings and you just explode. This is your moment, P, to absolutely yeah. go for it. <laughs> P might be at that point already, because if P's 39, then maybe they've been bottling up for a long time. Also, like, if P's 39, time's getting on. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you have, do you have time? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, present company excluded. <laughs> time is ticking. Like, do you have time to spend all your time focused on this person? And also, how do you know they're not right? You're not right for them. Like, how do they know that? You saying the TikTok thing, I was friends with somebody that uh, ultimately I knew was an absolute head case. And um, we went out for my birthday and no one else could make it to the latter part of the evening. So it was just me and me and her out and about. And at one point in the evening, she just had a bit too many drinks and she just turned to me and was like glassy eyed. And she went, you're not getting any younger. Tick tock. <laughs> Tick tock, tick tock, and just kept like saying tick tock at me. And so, yeah, I just had flashbacks to that. Well, P, um, can you just say that again quickly, but just like very low voice, very creepy? P, this is our answer to you. P, this is our answer to you. Bottle up those feelings, ruin someone else's night, wait until it's someone's birthday, anniversary, <laughs> that sort of thing. Just have a few too many drinks and explode. That's what there I reckon. <laughs> okay, we'll be fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, shag, marry, avoid. Frankenstein, Dracula, clown. David, you go first. Um, shag, Frankenstein, marry, Ooh. Dracula, snog, clown. 
It's got nice lips. The, you, you look at the Shag Marion snog. You have to oh. avoid one of them, David. <laughs> Joe, what about you? Shag the Clown. Marry Dracula, avoid Frankenstein. Well, technically, Frankenstein's a monster. I'm just going to point this out. For sure. This is, yes. this is a thing, yeah. I think I would agree with you. Why would you shag the clown? Because uh, I, I think clowns are hot. I think, and also they have squirting <laughs> flowers. That's quite fun, isn't it? Like a whoop halfway through, like whoop, <laughs> keeping things exciting. I think, I think clowns are hot. Dracula, you know, the, the, the man lives in a castle in Romania. Um, I'm quite a night owl. That would work well. Um, Frankenstein, I'm not really into sort of beefcake types. So, right, um, sure. It's not, not really. I suppose Frankenstein's monster can kind of be anything you want it to be, really. The Dracula book is very gay as well. So, Dracula's definitely one of us. All about penetrating in areas you didn't want uh, or didn't expect and exchanging fluids through different places. Very gay, very gay. Okay, we're on to our final one, our final story from Anon. So, this week, this is Prue. This, this is Prue this week. While we were at university, we used to go real hard for Halloween. None of these sexy vicar costumes. I'm talking full commitment here. One of my pals dressed as Sinead O'Connor one year and shaved her head specially. So, it will come as no surprise to you that when we decided to go out dressed as a family of Smurfs, we painted ourselves blue in our entirety. At the time, I was really into one of the other boys in the group, and on the night out, one thing led to another, and before we knew it, we were hooking up. We spent the night together at his place, laughing because his bedding was turning bluer and bluer as we went along. Waking up in the morning with a banging head, after giving some, never mind, he went to shower off what was left of the blue face paint. I got out of bed too, thinking I'd take a funny snap of the blue bed on my phone. I rolled back the covers and discovered that it wasn't just blue that had painted the bed, there was a large lumpy brown smear right down the middle. I went into cleaning overdrive, stripping the bed and throwing it into the washing pile before he came out of the shower so we didn't have to have that conversation. Oh, and one more thing. We're now married, and I still don't know who did it. Ah, oh, bless Prue. These things happen. These things happen. <laughs> I like that they're now married from this. I think that, you know, this experience. <laughs> the other one is aware that there was the thing and that they didn't just hide that. It doesn't say whether the boy was aware of the... I mean, neither of them have a sense of smell, obviously. But if they're quite drunk, they might not have noticed. You know what I mean? Depends what they were doing as well. I I I yeah I, I agree on the, the so drunk they may not have noticed because you know I I can't be the only one that's woken up in the morning at some point and realise that there is a trail of destruction. Oh, wasn't sure what that trail was going to be off there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> destruction, Michael. Destruction. I've never shat the bed. I don't think it's ever happened. No, I haven't. I don't mean necessarily that. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I don't know. Uh, oh, God, no, I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> uh, well, thank you to everybody for writing in. And thank you, Joe, for joining us. Uh, where can people find you, Joe? Uh, on the internet, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you walk around bright and long enough, you'll see me walking around. Um, <laughs> well, you can find me on tour with my show club Cataclysm. Going hey. across the UK and Ireland, end of October and throughout November. That, that's where they'll find me. But otherwise, you can find me on Instagram at Mr. Joe Black. That's M-I-S-T-E-R, not just M-R. Uh, and Twitter on the same. And um, TikTok on the same, actually, though I don't use that. But feel free to follow me anyway. I think we've all got TikToks that we don't use. I don't even know how to use the app. Let's say yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. 
do go check out Joe's work. He's ridiculous, but brilliant. Yes, we actually ended up recording a whole podcast worth of questions from the inbox with Joe. So if you want to hear all those questions we couldn't cram into this week's episode, as well as a bonus Q&A with a second spooky guest, check out our OnlyFans at patreon.com forward stroke sticky bun boys. Yes, our second spooky guest is a closely guarded secret exclusive to our OnlyFans patrons only. So you'll have to join us over there to find out who that was. In the meantime, please do keep sending your dating horror stories to stickybunboys at gmail.com. We really do love them. You can find us on social media at stickybunboys and please do remember to keep spreading that word. Next week is Custard Week in the tent. And with the file inside, it's probably a good time to let you know that we will be continuing Sticky Bun Boys all the way into next year. Yes, we'll be keeping your buns nice and sticky for a wee while yet. Stay tuned to find out our plans and we'll see you next week for week seven, which is allegedly when the most kind, handsome, witty, talented and humble bakers are eliminated. But Henry left in week eight. I take back everything I said. Ready for the boring bit? Let's go. The Sticky Bun Boys are not endorsed by or affiliated with Love Productions, The Great British Bake Off, or any of its subsidiaries. All views and opinions are our own. The Great British Bake Off and all related content are registered trademarks and copyrights of their respective trademark and copyright holders. Very professional, David. In one breath. (laughs) We're all just having a bit of fun, aren't we? (laughs) How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.